0: Our next stop looked like a supervillain's lair, a laboratory complex full of supertech and advanced robots. Very advanced, in fact. Advanced enough to have personalities, bicker, and form a family. They were a periodic table version of the Fantastic Four. We sat down and started our conversation with Dr. Will Magnus, creator of The Metal Men
1: hi my name is john and i'm matthew and we are the dc detectives it is our job to go back through the annals of dc comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to
0: every reversible finish
1: hello everyone this is oh it's a weird what is this like a wednesday uh it it technically it is is
0: june 3rd technically
1: technically you're you're technically correct sir the best kind of correct (laughs) um First off, before we jump into the the nonsense that is the metal men, which we are incredibly excited to do, um, we just wanted to acknowledge that things are really tense right now. We understand that everyone is going through a very emotional and probably traumatizing time, depending on what you're going through and who you are. Um, It is the statement and the position of this podcast that Black Lives Matter, Um, we care about you and we love you. Um, we hope that everyone is being safe. We hope that everyone is getting home safely. It, I I, no, I don't know if you do follow me on Twitter. I have posted a lot of links on ways that you can support if you do not feel comfortable going out and marching. Because I know that COVID is still a thing. And mm-hmm. for those of you who are concerned about that and your safety and, and health is entirely valid. Um, there are ways that you can support groups, um, online and i have posted some links i've also posted some links to some black creators who write comics and produce comics that you can support if you're curious about if you don't want to just give to a charity that you're not comfortable with or give to an organization you're unfamiliar with um you can support black creators and there's a way to do that um and we you know hopefully those links help you and you just go in my twitter feed you can find that i am at john solito uh j-o-h-n-s-o-l-l-i-t-t-o I have those I usually retweet also large lists of those things as well I've been doing that a lot lately um, and those are some ways that you can help out if you do not feel comfortable um, going to a protest right now which is entirely valid and mm-hmm. that is okay um, but it also means that if you feel like being active you have resources and you should seek those out and do what you can with what you're able to and again we love you all we just hope that you are all being safe and we hope that you are all getting home to be with people that matter to
0: you and that you love. And on that specific note, like, make sure that whatever, however you choose to get involved, uh, that you're not just thinking about whether you, you are safe. Uh, talk to the people who you are in contact with, the people you live with, uh, and make sure that if they are immunocompromised, if they're asthmatic, uh, be. The first step to anything good coming out of this is being involved with the people who are near you and who are part of your life. So stay safe, stay involved, and stay strong. You can participate just by being a support group for those who are more active than you.
1: That is an entirely valid way to participate and be supportive as well. So if that is what you can do, then do that.
0: Also, don't be afraid to get yourself an air conditioner, because,
1: who, oh boy, is it hot. Yeah, it's hot, depending on where you are um, in this weird old USA, um, and it's it sucks for us in California, because uh, it's weirdly dumb hot, and I don't like that, and my apartment also doesn't have really great insulation, so I have to deal with that nonsense of having an AC unit on a lot longer than I prefer. Um but we digress into you know personal climate change situations, and uh, into something a lot more science fiction, should, shall we say? What is our melting point, John? You know, personally, my melting point is any heat at which ice cream melts faster than I can eat it. Oh um, no,
0: no, that's not okay. That's not exactly. Okay. That's
1: at that point. What's the what's the reason for living at all if you can't eat ice cream fast enough? Um, Speaking of melting points, who doggy? <laughs> um, I got to tell you, uh, my only experience with the Metal Men and their creator, Dr. William Magnus, or Will Magnus, they never actually say if his full name is William, it's just Will Magnus, um, is from the DC Series 52 and Countdown, which were giant uh crossover events in DC some, oh God, almost a decade now past, I imagine. um so those, these, are, these are old comics that we're referencing, but even older still are um, The Metal Men and Dr. Will Magnus. You know, these stories went about average speed for me when it comes to reading. And it wasn't that they were boring, because they aren't. It is that there is a lot in them. And more so than I expected to be, considering who was writing them, and how much space they had to work with. These felt very definitely like they were they were shoved full of information, despite having 24 pages apiece. These are very jam-packed issues. We're going to go through, I want to say almost nine? Nine issues, I think? Yeah, sh- four showcase, and then one, two, three, four, and five of the Metal Men. Um... And we're gonna talk about that at the end as well. I think there's something to be said for the fact that the Metalmen get their own book Lickety Split. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're just gonna have a conversation about that. But suffice it to say the Metal Men debuted in the nineteen sixties, nineteen sixty-two to be precise, in the March-April issue of Showcase Presents number thirty-seven. See how I did that transition, Joanne? I'm getting better at these. It's only almost been ninety-nine episodes. Speaking of, we're gonna have a hundredth episode next. It's a thing that Matt and I have been doing for, what, four years now? Five? We have Apparently almost 100 so. episodes it's... of the podcast. We waste too much time on this. <laughs> um, but God bless anybody who's listening to this podcast. And like I said, Showcase presents number 37, March, April, 1962. Um, we start off with an ancient manta ray, or as occasionally I call them, flap flaps. Uh, just an ancient uh, flying flap flap. It does not. It is not a manta ray in water. It is in the sky and it shoots fire and ice. Um and I say ancient I mean like prehistoric. And it is put into somewhat of a catatonic state, and then suddenly it is awake now during the modern time of nineteen sixty two. And Colonel Caspar, or Casper, as you might call him, um is tasked by the United States government to figure out how to deal with this creature and he says, You know who we should get? We should get Doctor Will Magnus. He's a doctor of stuff he'll figure this out uh and we're introduced to will magnus a handsome lab coat wearing three-piece suit sporting pipe smoking swiss army scientist will magnus can do it all and he just looks great doing it and caspar or casper um you know comes to his lab and he's like magnus what 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 are you up to and he's like well i invented this platinum robot named tina and uh, I think she's faulty, though, because she thinks she's a real woman. Because she acts like she's smitten with me, and that's no good. So I'm going to have to fix her so that she doesn't act like she's got emotions. And Casper says, well, you should nix that and check out this giant flap flap that's in the sky. And he's like, that's not a real word. I think it's a manorite." And He goes, yeah, I know. Um, and he goes, you know, having Tina here gives me an idea. Hold on one second. And he makes five other robots just on a whim. The robots he makes are iron, lead, mercury, tin, and gold. And along with platinum, Tina, they are the metal men. All these metals have specific attributes and or abilities similar to the metals that they are. Um, gold is really malleable. Iron and lead are very strong and durable while mercury can, uh, change shape with the different temperatures because it is the only metal that can become liquid um at like room temperature uh tin weirdly enough is very timid and stutters a lot and tries his darndest to be the best metal man that he can be or a metal man that he can be um so the metal men and tina or i'm just going to say metal men in general and that's going to include tina also i hate that her name is tina and they don't call her Platinum. And I got Tina and Tin confused a lot. And that's going to be a problem.
0: I didn't hate it until I realized that they were both Tin and Tina. And yeah, so then I, I just I refer to her as Platinum. Yeah. Which which is what they do. Like, they go back and forth between Tina and Platinum.
1: Yeah, there's there's no reason to call her Tina. Other than the, that Doc Magnus made her first.
0: There is a reason, which is that they are constantly playing with... is whether to accord human whether to uh bestow humanity upon her which, sure yeah we're going to talk about that oh yeah oh i've got uh, thoughts.
1: <laughs> so the metal men defeat the prehistoric manta ray um but in doing so they are all destroyed all the metal men use their considerable powers and attempts and during which they all get basically broken down melted or you know, ripped apart in their pursuit of destruction of this ancient manta ray. And the end of the issue is Magnus with little statues of the metal men in front of him going like, hmm, I wonder if I should rebuild them. And Showcase does its hackiest should we keep making these uh, ever in these four issues. And I cannot abide it. It's so out of character for Showcase to ever do this. And I wonder if it's because it's Robert Kaniger, the guy who's been writing The Flash, uh, and the art team with him on these is uh, uh, Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito are the penciler and the inker uh, along with Robert Kaniger um, like I said he's been writing Flash so that's where you're going to get all your science crap is Kaniger <laughs> Kaniger is just shoving science like all the the metal men are like well my melting point is this doc so I'm stronger than so-and-so and like who knows doc I can turn into liquid and Wrap myself around the, the creature and then you guys can freeze me around it and it'd be encased in a metal shell. Everyone just loves to talk about everything that they can do all the time and the properties they're in because of the material that they are made out of.
0: And it is very specifically like the Gardner Fox style. I looked up this number in an encyclopedia, so I'm going to recite it to show how smart I am.
1: This is This, above all other books, reeks of... We have to make these educational.
0: So actually, one other thing that's worth noting with that is uh, occasionally I talk about what other, like, supporting... Supporting isn't even the right word. uh, Additional pages these comics have, like, uh, with a lot of, like, action comics uh, or detective comics, they'll have, like, little one-page gag things. I've talked a little bit about... uh, Sometimes they'll have, like, PSAs. Uh, In this case, they're often having... I. one or two pages of let's talk about different elements and what you can do with them and what the effect of chloroform is like you might start laughing but bef- because it's laughing gas before you, or actually it gets less nitrous but it says stuff like chloroform will make you laugh before you pass out it is absolutely in keeping with the rest of the like main story that is so facts and dates kind of science
1: yeah, it's edutainment. And it's, again, it is the one that is the most bold-faced about it. Yeah. Uh, that we've uncovered so far. Because uh, Flash will occasionally do this kind of crap, and so will Gardner Fox with his various science space adventures. But this one is the most like, hey, Doc, did you know that my melting point is
0: XYZ? And it's like, nobody cares, Iron. And it's the repetition as well, because, for, like you mentioned, there, for some reason... Kaniger focused real heavily on boiling points and melting points and they're not changing the characters and they're often not even changing the solutions to the problems. It is often, it is usually just a slightly different application of, well, I can stretch when I'm hot in the case of mercury. So it's, um, it's the same thing over and over again.
1: Yeah. Lead shielding from radiation. Usually all the time. Iron is breaking something. Gold is turning into something very flexible or multiplying himself a bunch of times platinum winds around things like twine because you can stretch platinum out very well and tin is usually kind of whatever the hell that they haven't
0: done yet tin is because desperately searching for an identity and yeah self-worth tin is yeah tin is the shitty zuko yeah a little bit <laughs> kind of kind of well kind of saka what's
1: my thing it's Sokka prior to getting a sword um yeah for all you avatar the last airbender fans out there we're gonna move on to showcase presents number 38 may june 1962 a foreign nazi scientist who's in hiding decides that he's going to discredit the united states by defeating the metal men now remember in the last issue of showcase they were all destroyed and the world is kind of like hey where are the metal men we want to congratulate them for destroying that Man array. so doc magnus makes another group of metal men but they're not as effective as the previous group and none of them have the idiosyncrasies that the old metal men used to have um and he realizes it's because they weren't made under the strange aurora borealis that he originally made them under that we never saw in the first showcase um so they don't have the same life and he goes all right well crap these old these new metalmen suck i'm gonna go find the bits and pieces of the old ones and reform them and he does And everyone's back to quote-unquote normal. Tina, Platinum, is still acting like she's a real woman and Doc Magnus is mad about that. Tin is stuttering a lot. Mercury's a jerk. And lead, gold, and platinum seem to have no characterization whatsoever. Or lead, gold, and uh, iron are pretty boring in general. They're all the same guy except they can do different things. And that's about as much characterization as they have. Handsome, strong men. Um, So in rebuilding them uh, Doc Magnus fights this ex-Nazi scientist, and they win the day, and it's great, and they 100% mug for the camera, going, gee, I wonder if the readers would like to read more stories about us, it's like, all right, you don't have to push that hard, uh, Showcase presents number 39, July, August 1962, a scientist experimenting with chemicals, um, who has a real terrible procedure about disposal of, of waste, um, makes a giant plastic mold of a man. And he's like, I'm just going to dump all the, chemi- the failed chemical experiments I have into this giant plastic man so I can have a weird sort of physical representation of my failure. And in doing so, when he fills the plastic man up, it comes alive and becomes a creature that many DC scholars might recognize the name of. It's Chemo, the giant living chemical organism who is used in a lot of comics actually as just a holy shit it's chemo kind of a thing he's like a giant Kaiju monster sometimes huh. um, I believe they dropped chemo on Bluehaven at one point as a chemical bomb just to like oh. mess with the city and it's like oh I remember that at one point yeah Dave it's kind of weird chemo um, is a character that is just kind of a giant monster and has like I don't know like contact radiation and contact chemical effects on people because he's just a walking vat of chemicals the metal men stumble upon Chemo and in the uh, ensuing fight uh, everybody but Platinum is destroyed against you know in defense of Chemo or in the attack of Chemo Um, but Platinum and Dr. Magnus trap him underground in some underground steam vents you know like you find normally underground steam vents that are just there and they trap him and they rebuild the rest of the metal men and everybody's happy until showcase presents number 40 september october 1962 when doc magnus kind of has like a a second thought and he's like i wonder if i should go check on the giant chemical creature that we left in the center of the earth and when he does he finds that chemo is 100 percent free now and chases doc magnus around and being so close to chemo for so long doc magnus gets a side effect where he starts to turn giant and metal And Tina's like, this is great. Now you're metal and I'm metal. We can be together. And he's like, stop acting like you're a dame. It's weird. And you're a robot and stuff. Um, But he's like, I'm too radioactive to be around normal people. I'm going to launch myself into space. And Platinum's like, sure, I'll go with you. And the rest of the metal men are like, well, shit. Doc's gone and Platinum's gone. Who should be our leader? And Mercury's like, I should be the leader. And they're like, no, we want Tin to be leader. And I kind of love that all the metal men are really supportive of tin except for mercury who's just in who's very uh uh narcissistic and focused on himself and and egocentric he's all the other men in this group yeah <laughs> very much um, but he, all the other metalmen, like iron and lead and gold, are like, what's up, Tin? How you doing? And they, like, they pat him on the back when he does a good job or whenever they team with him. They're like, don't worry, Tin. You and I will make a great team. They're all very supportive. And, and Tin usually does a good job once or twice in an issue. And everyone gives him props for it. So I love the fact that Tin is never actually looked down on. He's the only one with confidence issues for himself. Everyone else is supportive of him.
0: The way that the, the way that the comic frames him is that his tragic flaw is his desperate need for approval to the point where he is, he is, martyring himself without cause. Uh, yeah, it it is not framing him as defective. He is definitely underpowered and shown to be underpowered, but it's not a, it's not like a moral failing or anything. It's not that there's something wrong with him. It's just. He he doesn't have the same strengths that other people do. And we haven't really seen his there. There isn't a shtick for him that we'll see in terms of what he can do. Yeah, I I will say, however, the tin seems to do everything that everyone else
1: can do. He's just made of tin. Yeah, so he is just by definition, not as strong, you know. So I think his thing is that he's he's the jack of all trades, master of none kind of character. Um, And it's fine because he's great and i i like him he's just
0: yeah not as effective yeah and one thing that i th- one bit of lens that we've kind of touched on a little bit but i i think makes these characters in this current form so interesting to me is we don't really know where they end up we like the comparison i drew just now was uh cypher in new in mm-hmm. uh, new mutants Uh, A character who eventually they decided, well, we need him to be useful in a combat situation. So we're going to have like battle suit warlock. Uh, And we don't know, or at least I don't know where Tin ends up. Is it, do they just keep him this way or does he wind up getting written to be something different? Does he find a niche? I don't know.
1: Yeah, un- unlike the Justice League, whom we know kind of the fates of yeah. for all of them, we don't know much about the... Much like the Challengers, we don't know much about these these characters. Um, but yes, Tin is is voted to be leader of the team, and uh, the team goes off to fight Kemo, and while they're fighting Kemo, he accidentally gets led away to the rocket where, the, where Doc Magnus and Platinum are, and he latches himself onto the rocket, and the team you know, tells Doc Magnus and as his effects wear off, they reenter the atmosphere and Doc Magnus is back to normal, but the reentry basically melts Chemo and kills him. Um, and I don't I'm not counting that as a ding because Chemo is a non-living creature and he's non-organic. He is, it's like destroying a giant robot. There's a difference between destroying a sentient living or like organic creature and a, a creation of science. Um, and that's... Yeah, so Chemo is dead, effectively. Um, and Doc Magnus is back to normal. That is the last showcase presents that the Metal Men appear in. We jump ahead to April-May 1963, where the first issue of Metal Men is published. Now, this issue uh, talks about a robot on another planet becoming kind of sentient and wanting company so he builds another robot thinking that he's going to build himself a queen and realizes he can only build robots that look like himself okay and he gets mad about it so then he searches the cosmos for another robot and as he's doing so he sets a sight on earth uh meanwhile on earth doc magnus has had it up to here with platinum and her woman stuff and so he's sending her off to a museum because she's defective and uh while at the museum. <laughs> People are like, this is cool. She's a platinum robot. She starts to cry. And everyone's like, this is fake. Robots can't cry. And a riot happens. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone bought tickets to see a platinum robot. And clearly it's just a woman in a costume. And Doc Magnus is forced to take uh, Tina back. And she's like, see, Doc, I wouldn't act this way if you didn't program me this way. He's like, I didn't. It's a faulty mechanism. And she's like, well, you still call me Tina like a real woman. So it's your fault for acting like that. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Um so the alien on the other planet or the robot on the other planet goes like holy cow look at this platinum goddess i want her as my queen all you crazy robots i've made go get that lady and an invasion of earth happens from all these robots and the metal men stop it which is great no one no one dies in this issue (laughs) not a single metal man yeah it's actually very rare but none of the metal men get destroyed in this issue which is kind of great um we move quickly to Metal Men, number two, June, July, 1963. Uh, Doc goes out on a date with this gal named Marsha, who has never seen or heard from again af- <laughs> after this issue.
0: Yeah,
1: And, uh, yeah, Doc really has no personality other than being a smart guy who's confounded by these robots and their, their idiosyncrasies. Um, Doc goes out on this date, and Platinum gets sad because she's lonely. And she goes, I know what I'll do. I'll make myself a robot version of Doc, so I'll never be lonely. And he can refer- he can reciprocate the affection that I have for him. Uh, so Tina builds herself a robot version of Doc Magnus. And the Doc, the robot Doc is kind of reckless and doesn't care too much for other people around him. But he's very, very devoted to platinum. And in doing so, what he does is he makes his own version of the Metal Men with... Uh, barium aluminum calcium zirconium sodium and plutonium and he uses those metal men to beat up the original metal men so that he can steal platinum and take her away to the stars where they can be together forever and the rest of the metal men are like uh doc you should get over here there's a robot version of you that made a nuke because plutonium is just a nuclear robot and they're like you should stop being on your date with this chick that no one's ever heard of and fix this and he's like i'll be right there looking at my dick tracy pilot um and marsh is like doc mac you know will magnus if you leave this date to go help that that foolish girly robot you'll never talk to you again and he's like peace baby and just leaves uh because he's a man of action at a swiss army scientist um doc and the rest of the metal men find a way to kind of like corral the bad guys up until they get to an escape pod and they start to fly off uh with tina and tina's like forgive me my love and destroys Robo Doc and all of his other robots by detonating plutonium, and uh, the the plutonium robot and Tina for the first time is killed. Uh, actually, for the first time since Showcase number thirty eight is she's destroyed or thirty seven. Um, she's usually surviving more than more often than not in the other robots. Um, but every other guy is like, "Oh my God, boss, we lost platinum," and he's like, "Yeah, that's kind of messed up." we move directly onto Metal Men number three, August, September, 1963. Um, All the rest of the Metal Men are like, hey, Doc, you should rebuild Platinum, because we miss her. And you obviously miss her too. And he's like, yeah, you know what, you're right. Except this time when I build her, I'm not going to build that faulty responsometer into her, and she's going to be normal like the rest of you guys. And they're like, whatever floats your boat, Doc, We we just miss Platinum. And he builds this new version of Platinum. She turns out to be a huge jerk because she has no emotions and she hates all the other robots because she's like, these guys have emotions. They're stupid. They're not good robots like me. Let me show you how much better I am as a robot. She almost gets Doc killed twice, almost destroys the rest of the metal men. And they're like, "Okay, we may have made a mistake. And they dump this one into a smelter. Yeah. (laughs) They straight up dump tina 2.0 into a smelting machine on kind of a joke where doc is like hey tina you see that giant pit and she goes yeah he's like jump in there for me she's like sure thing doc you'll see how a good
0: robot follows orders and jumps into the smelting pot i was like damn that's really fucked up there's one of the things we haven't really talked about is there is some body horror in this series we're gonna but we're gonna get to there's moments like this that are just on the one hand lean into that but also are just it feels very Saturday morning cartoon-ish with a little bit of ultra violence yeah we will definitely talk
1: about that in the summer Um, so Doc is like fine 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 okay this this new Tina didn't work out let's go get Tina's body from the moon and they're like alright so they go to the moon where Tina blew up plutonium and RoboDoc they get all of her scraps together and they go back to Earth by the way (laughs) this was so dumb Doc has a way of, get, of crossing vast distances of space in a quick f- amount of time. The Thought Force X power? I had to read that panel five times because I couldn't tell if it was Doc who had a superpower that gave him the ability that they referred to as Thought Force X or if that he developed something called Thought Force X. And basically, it makes a big prismatic or like hologram image of where they're going. And when he flies through it, it immediately transports them to that location. So they cover the distance between the Earth and the Moon very quickly. Because none of these people have superpowers like Superman or Green Lantern or Wonder Woman. So they can't fly as fast. I gotta tell you though, it looks like... Okay, this is a dumb analogy, but only so many people are going to get this. You guys remember Super Mario 64?
0: You know, I see where you're going with it.
1: You know the paintings he jumps through to get to the level missions? That's essentially what these things are. What the Thought Force X power is. is They fly through it and suddenly they're at the moon. Um, Newsflash, when they come back from the moon and they have Platinum's body parts and they reassemble her, she brought space amoebas with her. And the space amoebas are bad news because they get bigger and bigger now that they have atmosphere and they're no longer on the moon and the rest of the team have to uh deal with this but you know who finally has his moment in the sun tin tin encapsulates all the amoebas in himself and they launch tin out into space and that's the end of the comic (laughs) they launch tin into space um metal man number four october november 1963 everyone kind of feels really bad about launching tin into the nether (laughs) so they're like we should get him back that's kind of fucked up guys and they're like yeah we should so they all get in their spaceship to go save tin who's just floating around in the vacuum of space meanwhile a queen robot from a neighboring planet is like that guy that's my guy i want him as my king and so go my scientists go and retrieve this other robot for me and um these these other scientist robots bring tin back to this planet they find out that tin is like one tenth the size of all the other robots and the queen robots like well that's no good here you should eat this food which doesn't make any sense because robots don't eat but that's not the only thing in this comic that bothers me and she just he doesn't actually eat the food she just slaps him into like a bunch of fruit that explodes and then after about a few minutes the fruit makes him giant and ornery and he's now like a super mean giant tin Uh, while the rest of the, the metal men show up on the planet and they're like huh this is weird right and they get caught by one of the scientists and put on a charm bracelet as a gift for the new king and queen they try to convince tin when they are brought to him that they're his friends and he's like shut up don't tell me shit I already know I'm tin I'm the king and he smacks them with some fruit and they start to grow a bit but then they escape and as they're escaping, Tin starts to regain some of his consciousness because obviously the fruit growing and meaning power wears off. God, this comic is so weird. <laughs> and Tin shrinks back down to normal size, but the rest of the team is too big now. And, he, and they're like, Tin, get on the rocket and fly away. And he's like, got it, guys. And he leaves. And the team is stuck on the planet. That's the end of the comic. Metal Men number five, <laughs> December, January 1964. Happy New Year the team now larger than they should be and still stuck on the planet is being hunted down by the robot queen who wanted tin and she's being and they're being hunted by the queen who has these dogs that are actually the males of their robot species she subjugated all the male robots into acting like dogs which is somebody's kink and at a certain point the rest of the team the metal men and doc magnus basically create an uprising on this planet where all the male robots are like screw this i don't want to be a dog anymore and they fight the queen tin comes back gets everybody now that they've shrunk back down and they fly home okay (laughs) (laughs) we have a lot to discuss (laughs) so first things first small recap the metal men are a group of robots created by dr will magnus during an aurora borealis and all of them have fun kind of weird personalities maybe kind of sort of there's six of them iron lead gold tin mercury and platinum platinum the only girl on the team thinks she's a real woman and it has a crush on doc magnus tin is the I-want-everybody's-approval character. Mercury is a huge jerk and thinks that he's the only robot that Doc Magnus needs. Eventually, they start to write lead as kind of a dullard. Yeah. By, by putting a lot of like uhs and ums in his speech before he says stuff, he's like, uh, I guess I can do that, Doc. I, uh, I guess I could turn into a giant hammer, right? Right, iron? And iron's like, sure thing, lead. And iron and gold are really the only two who don't get any personality they seem to just be strong men who are handsome and it's like cool whatever they're all they're all rocky from the challengers of the unknown yes kind yeah. of really really big handsome men who are strong um so that's the metal men four issues in showcase after that they get their own book first of all how fucked is that they get their own title and Martian Manhunter And Green Arrow don't. And they are members of the Justice League.
0: I think that... Yep, okay. So there's... That might be the reason. Fantastic Four. So Fantastic Four is happening at the same time that the Metal Men are occurring. November 1961 is FF4
1: number one. So the Metal Men are DC's response to the Fantastic Four. Which is hilarious because the Fantastic (laughs) Four are Jack Kirby's rip off of his own idea from dc when he left dc and was doing the Challengers of the unknown he said screw this company i'm having a fight with julia shorts the editor-in-chief left dc went to marvel basically carbon copied the Challengers of the unknown and turned them into the fantastic four and now dc's like well shit the challengers aren't as cool as the fantastic four we need to make something different so we're gonna make <laughs>
0: we're <laughs> gonna make the metal Man. There are pieces that sort of are more fantastic for about uh, the Metal Men. For instance, just the cartoonishness. Uh, the characters themselves, the the metals, are often proportioned and moving in ways where they're stretching. It's There's a lot of elongated man or even more like plastic man in some of this. Yeah. And you get a little more directly the conflict between characters and the distinction between characters like they are literally color coded uh as compared to the challengers the unknown where rocky and uh rocky and red like you had them clashing like like we would later see with uh, the human torch and the thing but but it's clearer and more played up in the metal men so it, it makes sense that they'd take another swing at this and not just go with the challengers, but. I and mean. Not only this, but the first issue of Doom Patrol
1: is in 1963. Hmm. So not only do they have the Metal Men, but they also have the Doom Patrol, which is another team of four weird misfit characters appearing at the same time to probably also combat the Fantastic Four. Because. The X-Men don't show up until after the Metal Men's appearances in 1962. I am not saying that the X-Men are trying to mock the Metal Men, but the Metal Men are not trying to copy the X-Men. Yeah. Both the Doom Patrol and the Metal Men are probably a direct response to the Fantastic Four the doom patrol might be a more direct response to the fantastic four or to the to the x-men because the x-men are in 1962 um a few months after the metal men make their debut and i and the doom patrol is in 1963 so i think we're we're seeing we're finally starting to see the dueling release schedules of the companies as they try to outdo each other so that's a thing um, but yeah, the metal men get their own book before Martian Manhunter and Green Arrow. That's messed up, and I don't like that. Um, let's talk about expendability. Oh, boy. <laughs> Every metal man and metal woman is expendable to Doc Magnus. To the nth degree, he will send them to their deaths to stop a, a threat that he does not fully understand because he just thinks that they could do it. Um there it is rarer that everyone survives an issue than someone dying and has to be rebuilt that is weird and different than anything we've seen previously because usually the whole comic is about saving people and bringing the status quo back to normal by the end of the issue much like a sitcom now that we've talked about expendability and how doc magnus doesn't really care too much about his inventions beyond the fact that he has to rebuild them every time Let's talk about the fact that these are the first issues that follow each other chronologically.
0: And consistently, too. Like, everyone is a direct tie to the previous one, almost without exception.
1: Yes. Every, every Metal Men issue, not Showcase Presents, but every Metal Men issue directly follows the previous one. And is a response to the previous plot, we do not see this in any other comic at the time. You know that. That is what the podcast is for rarely do we see that level of continuation maybe we see it in two-part situations with justice league but a character will come back in flash and green lantern or superman and etc but we don't see too many one two one twos when it comes to storylines that's really interesting and really fascinating that the metal men are getting that for the first time uh, that we are seeing pretty much in anybody's books now we got to talk about sentient robots yep so here's the thing doc magnus makes robots that have personality because we definitely see that they have more personality than a normal robot should because in the issue where he makes the tina with the correctly responding response meter she claims that the rest of the robots are defective so that says that all the robots have personality The only robot with a personality that Doc Magnus does not approve of is Tina, or Platinum, because she has goo-goo eyes for Doc, and she gets in the way. However, frequently, in moments of great stress and tension, Doc shows that he does, in fact, care for Platinum, almost to the effect that he would care for a real living woman. Almost like he also has a reciprocal crush on her. Now... There is another robot who has, or rather two robots who have really, really prominent personalities that are in fact detrimental to the team. Tin's constant martyrdom causes him to be destroyed more often than not before he can be made useful. And Mercury shows off to the the effect um, that he becomes a liability because often he likes to go off by himself rather than team up with other people when they do split up moments. Doc has no problem with these idiosyncrasies. So there's a couple things we can learn right off the bat from the first nine issues of The Metal Men. One, Doc's a misogynist. Oh, yeah. Because he has a problem with the way that Tina is acting, and he frequently makes it that she is acting like a woman, and that is a problem. And he doesn't have the same problem with Mercury or Tin or any of the other robots who have personality. Her personality specifically is a problem. Now, you can kind of read this as that kind of childish, I have a harsh reaction to you because I like you kind of a situation, and I'm trying to cover up the fact that I like you. I imagine this is what Kaniger is going for. How it reads is that Doc has a problem with the way that women act and doesn't like that Tina acts like a woman because it doesn't help him and she gets in the way.
0: I I think you might even be giving Kaniger too much credit for saying that he's going for like the overcompensating uh no i don't like you thing i the way that it frames the view of women is that women should not be in these situations of heroism much like mercury constantly says we don't need
1: platinum i'm here or platinum just gets in the way or platinum Mm. is constantly uh, confusing or getting in the way of doc this is not to say that tina is actually a damsel in distress and or a clumsy member of the team. I will say Tina nine times out of 10 when she is actually acting is the most effective and successful member of the metal men. Yeah. Tina is either usually the one that wins in the climax is one of the last two that helps in a solution or like we saw in the case with Robodoc, the one that sacrifices herself to save the rest of the team. Tina's the best metal man.
0: Yeah. This, this is a comic about Platinum and Doc Magnus, and then everyone else is a supporting character.
1: Exactly. She is as effective as Hawkwoman and Alana, if not more so effective than Alana, than, Al- than Alana is in Adam Strange. Um, I would posit to say that she is just as, just as effective and successful as Shaira is, if not more so. Because
0: she gets to shine on her own more often than Shigeru does. And that that specific bit that this is fundamentally still a misogynistic comic. But it's also having Platinum be effective. Uh, there was a particular thing that really brought it home for me. Which was the specific argument that was being made to choose between uh, Tina 2.0 as... Your as you called her versus the original who has the uh, the more person more rich and lively personality. Uh, the argument there that was made for original Tina was her utility. It was specifically there was a time where uh, Platinum where Tina 2.0 was uh, had been given an order and followed it verbatim, and it went. Poorly for Doc Magnus and the other metal men had to, who had the original personality going on, had to save him. And the only reason they were able to do that was because they were able to act on their own initiative as compared to being a robot continues, uh, taking following an order until it is countermanded. And that's the, that's the thing that makes them decide to throw that version of platinum into a smelter. Uh, this is a comic that is still fundamentally rooted in the idea that this is not a space for women, but it is specifically invested in the specific instance of Platinum being capable of being part of the team. She is the she is the exception, uh she is she's the good one. In in so much as the others have personality,
1: she is the most human. Mm-hmm. And it seems to make the others like her. And not because they're like, oh, I want to be like platinum. It's more just like, yeah, Tina's great. Like in the rare moments we see the the metal men interact with each other um, by themselves without Doc Magnus around. They have somewhat of a camaraderie that you would expect soldiers to have. Very similar to the Challengers of the Unknown. They are familiar with each other, not overly so, but they do have opinions about one another and they are supportive. The only one that kind of makes waves is Mercury, but Iron, Lead, and Gold are very supportive of Tin. In fact, the three of them vote for him to be the leader. And when Tin goes, why did you do that? I think Gold is the one that says, well, you've obviously made an impression on the three of us that we, that we believe in you. Like every single one of the other guys, other than Mercury and Tin, are just nice people. Yeah. They're genial, they're trusting, they're supportive of each other, and they're just nice guys. Positive, Positively masculine. The negatively masculine characters are Doc Magnus, Mercury, and Tin. Tin is a coward who has to continually prove himself and makes himself the martyr. Mercury is too self-assured and thinks that the Doc doesn't need anyone but him because he's the best. And Doc Magnus is constantly undervaluing the metal men you can tell he doesn't care about them beyond the fact that he would have to remake them again
0: because he constantly sends them into situations where they have to get destroyed i'm not sure i fully i'm not sure i agree with that i i think the comic positions him as caring about them however he is very willing to accept casualties There is no question on that score. I felt that the metal men were more compassionate towards each other than Doc was to them. The only one I felt
1: that he was more compassionate to was Tina because he has a crush on her. I didn't get the same impression that he cared as much about iron or lead or gold or mercury as he may have done about tin. And maybe only because he banished tin to the vacuum of space and filled him full of space amoebas. And that's the thing is, I never got a sense where he was like, no, gold, you've been destroyed. There was never a moment where he lamented the destruction of one of the other metal men when they died. It was just like, that ah, true. they failed. He throws them at problems like tools. So he doesn't value the rest of the metal men
0: because their personality doesn't revolve around him. I'll generally agree, but I will say that during... Like, between combats, he does express, well, only when there's real downtime, I guess. When he does sit down and have to bring people back, and it is specifically characters who aren't just like, okay, we're going to handle this off-screen, more or less. But when they really have to figure something out, like in the instance of Tin and the Space Amoeba, uh, he really does have that investment. He's not shy about putting them in harm's way. Mm-hmm. And some I think some of that might come from him being that stoic pulp archetype kind of anyways. Uh, you somewhat get the impression that if if he were that strong, he would throw himself into combat with the same abandon but but he's not. so he doesn't. yeah. so he's not yeah Doc Magnus
1: doesn't actually do any fighting like Adam Strange or the atom the way he fights is by throwing the metal men at the problem if batman has the utility belt doc magnus has the metal men yeah um so the things that we can learn about doc magnus through these is he's a misogynist he has very weird skewed beliefs on sentient life and really the book has like you say a lot of body horror things In that he asks the the metal men to do things like stretch themselves or envelop a thing or bend themselves into a specific way. And the metal men get torn apart or smashed or ripped apart in, frankly, if they were human, horrifying ways. But Doc is like, meh, that just didn't work. And you're like, okay, you're a weird dude.
0: A lot of it is rooted in a fundamental unwillingness to see the metal men as sentient. He views them as robots. He views all of their all of their behaviors as essentially programmed to, just like this is how you are programmed to respond to any to this kind of situation. There is absolutely a lack of of seeing personhood, and it's worth noting that the way that he expresses his view of quote-unquote mercury and platinum quarreling read mercury uh taking pot shots at platinum is are you going to make me the inventor who made uh quarreling robots it is rooted in himself it is a very self-centered view right now uh things about personhood and trauma at other people's hands are just themes that I can't help but see in here. And actually, it made this series fascinating to read through and respond to. So the first thing that I want to cover on this is specifically within Showcase. Uh, It it stops being the case later on, but in at least the first couple issues of Showcase, there's a thing that Platinum does specifically where she... I don't know the right term for this uh, and actually like taking a step back on this I am going to be making some assumptions and saying some things from the perspective of an outsider to questions of identity and how you present to people uh, those are frankly not things that I have dealt with much in my life so this is somewhat going to be me talking as a uh, hopefully educated outsider but specifically what I'm talking thinking of is Platinum does a thing in those issues where she goes back and forth between uh, arguments that she should be treated a given way because she's a robot or because she's a woman uh, or wanting to be treated those ways uh, like there are points where the metal men will be saying oh no we shouldn't have uh, We no, this is no place for a woman and she'll say I'm not a woman I'm a metal I'm part of I am a robot I'm part of this team uh, as a result like i'm I am a robot first and a woman second uh, and then there are times where especially in talking with doc Magnus, she is arguing for him to treat her better because uh I, you treat me like I'm a woman you treat me like I'm a person like you you talk about me that way now treat me like it um, and that bit. I found especially interesting because it I don't know for sure whether this is true to the period, but it felt like a very effective or it felt like a very believable tactic for trying to get people to uh, acknowledge personhood in different circumstances. Like. I could absolutely imagine in real situations, someone saying, hey, like in this moment, I am. A plumber, treat me like a plumber first and a woman second. Uh, or it's it's the it's the Sokka thing from uh, Warriors of Kyoshi uh, that that very early episode. Like we actually were watching that right now, uh, where uh, Suki says uh, or Sokka says, I I treated you like a girl when I should have treated you like a warrior, and the rejoin the response to that 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 uh, suki gives that is sort of the voice of the show is i'm both of those things but were these stories were written at a time where that wouldn't necessarily have been acknowledged like you couldn't be both a woman and a plumber or whatever or a superhero in this case uh, so so the person says focus on the part of my identity that is super powered superhero that's the that's the piece of my identity that you want that I want you to recognize right now and then in social contexts, she leans into but I'm not I'm not a robot I'm not unfeeling I am you are treating you are talking to me as though I'm a woman treat me that way I don't know like I don't have some grand thought out thought on this I don't even know if it's a a real tactic that gets used but it felt very real and seeing her pivot between those modes and having to pivot between those modes for doc magnus to treat her at all well was really interesting and compelling to me i think you're right there there's definitely
1: something here worth acknowledging that you know it's not subtextual there's no way caniger was talking about identity politics right now
0: i wonder like i would I would want to read more. I want to read more of his stuff outside the context of superhero comics and see whether this is the kind of thing that he's thinking about. Because he's, there is so much in here about how platinum is being treated. That is, there is so much pan and so many panels devoted to that. That I, that I'm actually kind of willing to believe that there's real thought about those. Uh, gender dynamics and personhood dynamics yeah one of the plot lines in general is just she makes robot
1: doc because she's being mistreated yeah you know there's an entire plot that centers around her mistreatment
0: yeah and that's actually one of the things that specifically stood out stood out to me about that is it that story could easily have been silly woman tries to uh, we talked about like the the stories of sidekicks uh, trying to be the superhero for a while, uh, and how weird those make me feel because uh, they wind up being the reimposition of the proper social order uh, and here it really isn't that it is very clearly a response to it is a response to her being mistreated, and I would from a modern perspective it looks like a reaction to trauma and frankly abusive behavior uh yeah that lens probably isn't what caniger was going for at the time but it certainly is rooted in mistreatment rather than this person overreacting you you know you might have something there though about
1: it is it is an actual thing that he's going for because there are times where the rest of the metal men are like
0: boy a doctor is treating platinum really weird and then you have this thing that oh this this one hit me uh (laughs) So you remember the bit where let's see, this was Metalman number two. Metalman number two ends with uh, it is the one that exact story, actually. Uh, platinum dies in the nuclear explosion. Uh, and it ends with a referendum. hey, right in, should we bring platinum back? It is specifically soliciting readers, if you vote for Tina to rejoin the metal men, drop a postcard only to metal men, of, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And it is impossible for me to read that as anything but whether a woman deserves to die for, quote, unquote, causing trouble. So on the one hand, you have, or causing trouble may not be, in this, not so much necessarily in this particular case, but is this character is, is this woman annoying or is she getting in the way of your fun get, getting knowledge? in the way that's exactly the right word um and yeah survey says no thankfully but <laughs> i like her a lot she's one of my favorite parts of the of the book oh 100 mm-hmm. and uh art wise like i love the art on her because she like she is classic pardon the pun platinum blonde but yeah. uh she looks like a she looks more like an Archie character. One thing that I noticed mm-hmm. is her eyes tend to have clearance or at least very little overlap between the iris, which is all just a flat like platinum color, and the eyelash. So she has these big expressive features. She looks like an Archie character. And as yeah. a result, like I really latch onto her. Yeah, I actually want to visualize one bit of body horror that I found like just kind of emblematic uh there's a point where mercury stretches like so he has his feet planted and leaning forward and stretches his upper half like all the way across the room and then buzzsaw goes through him i think it might even have been like a i think like a fan or something it's one and, of Robodoc's other robots and it goes from the top of his head down like specifically not cutting him in half because we'll usually like he turns into a liquid or he blobs like a liquid when he gets cut up or destroyed. Usually, it doesn't go like through his side like horizontally. It splits him down the middle, and even though you don't you don't see him getting split, split. You just see the globs of uh, liquid metal going in different directions. It it makes no bones about what it is. Clearly, like referencing yep yeah oh this yeah this panel is weird because it shows his feet planted at one end and then you see the uh like his head and arms all the way at the other side of the room and it just shows the buzzsaw like doing the after images cut all the way through and it's just whoa (laughs) yeah it's it's a bit jarring at times all right, and with that, I think that gets about everything from me.
1: Okay. Uh, for recommendations for myself, I am going to recommend uh, Futurama. I just started watching it. I know I'm about several years too late, um, but I'm watching Futurama. I really like it. I'm on season five, and uh, it's just very quick and fun. Um It's made by the creator of The Simpsons, so it has that style. But it's just a—I personally feel it's funnier. Um, It's less pop culture referential, and um, it's just a smart, fun show. And if you're looking for something to binge right now, I think that would be a good one to do. And it's, uh, yeah, it's got its you know pitfalls of being a early '90s, early two or late '90s, early two thousands cartoon show for adults. So it's got some jokes that haven't aged well. and your mileage may vary with those, but I think overall it is a solid show, and I think people should check it out.
0: On my end, i I haven't recommended uh, Outer Wilds yet, have I? No. Oh, uh, so I. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm finally at the stage where I'm effectively in the end game for it, just kind of polishing off parts of the map. Uh, so, Outer Wilds is a an adventure game in the exploration kind of mist ish sense where you learn stuff through audio logs, you learn how to navigate a space, all that good stuff. Uh, it is definitely worth checking out. It is, I am very glad that I have not read any like walkthroughs on this because eventually I have gotten everything and figured out how to get, places in interesting ways uh i i have very much enjoyed it and highly recommend it and it's on ultimate game pass or whatever for which is a buck for your first month so yeah (laughs) nice all right i think that's going to do it for us our next episode is
1: our 100th episode that's a big deal we're going to do something special for that um again we hope you are all safe we love you all and we will see you all next time
0: DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The conversation had started with Doc Magnus, but Platinum had been the real star. While Magnus was a classic, stoic Swiss Army scientist, she was passionate and demanded personhood. For now, though, we were going to step back from the 60s and catching up with the heroes of the month. It was time for us to look back at how we'd gotten here.